0: You're listening to the ESO Network, your station
1: for all things geek. Hi, hey everyone. This is Mark Goddard from Lost in Space. Remember me, Don West. I want to say hi to you all and stay tuned to Flopcast. Live from Chicken Town. This is the Flopcast episode 565.
0: On flopcast.net. Give it corn they like to have
1: coffee and cartoons and so they turn on the microphone and made a flopcast just for you, might be sorry. They'll still drink your sad up. Right now, coming at you, live from Chicken Town. Yes, yes, hello, Cornflake. Hi, Kevin. Here we go, a quick show again. I think this is going to be another quick one, because, you know, what are we doing?
0: Yeah. <laughs> it isn't the busiest time of year, to be fair.
1: <laughs> Things will start happening at some point, I suppose. This is sort of a Flopcast book club today. I think we're just going to uh, do a little book talk. And then just get out of here. But first, of course, Cornflake. I heard a rumor that this might be rather 80s themed. Unusual for us. Let's see what happens. Cornflake, what is National Whatever Day? National
0: (laughs) Whatever Day! Kevin, if I told you that the celebrity that's having a milestone birthday this weekend was originally named Nora Golding, would you know who I
1: was talking about? I think that's Eddie Grant again. Eddie, I, is Eddie Grant having a birthday again for the second week in a row?
0: Yes. It's Rock Down to Electric Avenue, Part 2.
1: Let's do it. What
0: was that name again? Nora Golding.
1: Nora Golding. The, the only 80s Nora that's coming to mind is Nora Dunn from Saturday Night Live. Okay, this is not
0: she. And she was never famous as Nora Golding. And to this day- Well, neither was I. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Me either. We're all in this together. There's at least three of us that were never famous as Nora.
0: But she has been famous since the 60s as Susan Clark. Susan Clark is turning 80 on March 8th.
1: I still don't know who that is.
0: That is Catherine Papadopoulos from Webster. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) She said matter-of-factly.
1: The mom, the wife on Webster. I did not know that name. And then what was the guy? What's the dude? Alex Karras. Yeah. Remember that name. I could not have told you the name of the <laughs> the, the, the lady on Webster. Wow.
0: Well, I could have because <laughs> I watched Webster every Friday night.
1: I, I certainly watched a little bit of Webster, but not too much. I think I bailed out pretty early on. That sounds like you. I watched yeah. it for
0: years. Yeah. It was George and Catherine Papadopoulos. Yep. Married in real life, married on the screen.
1: That's right. They were an actual married couple.
0: That was not the only thing they starred in where they were a married couple. Did you know this? No. There was a TV movie called Babe. Okay. And they also played a husband and wife. And this performance won her an Emmy in 1976.
1: Yeah. But something was missing. (laughs)
0: Emmanuel Lewis. They needed
1: a Webster. <laughs> she was also in Porkies. Did you know that? Uh, no, I didn't. I'm not much of a Porkies guy. <laughs> <I am. laughs> Although, I, now I don't think uh, Emmanuel Lewis was in Porkies either. Though. No. She kept doing everything without Emmanuel Lewis. Well, I think
0: that's we haven't really heard much from
1: her post Webster. Yeah, pre and post Webster, nobody cares.
0: <laughs> I mean, I looked. I looked to see, and, and she was active in television through the 90s, but I I don't remember any of this. So
1: Sure. All downhill from Webster.
0: After Webster wrapped up in 1989, she's pretty much done. But she was also, like, I I would not say that she was a star in this movie, but she was in the Apple Dumpling Gang. All
1: right. Well, that's something. It's more than you and I can say. What have we done? compared to Susan Clark. We've done nothing. <laughs> I was in the same room as Emmanuel Lewis once. I've got that going for me.
0: And of course, we could take this point to mention that... Emmanuel Lewis was interviewed by our friend Ken Reed. I presume that's what you're talking about.
1: I was there. Yeah, <laughs> that was TV guidance counselor live, 2014, almost 10 years ago now. <laughs> Mayor and I were there to see Ken interview me. I was so excited when I heard that Emmanuel Lewis was coming to Boston and he was going to be interviewed by Ken. So yeah, you better believe we were there. That was in like the basement level little theater in uh, davis square somerville massachusetts i was talking to ken before the interview started and he said this is so weird he said i'm looking online looking up stuff about emmanuel lewis and you see him in photos with people like nancy reagan (laughs) and (laughs) Yes, the the career that he had in the 80s. And he's like, now I've got him in a basement to interview him in front of like two dozen people.
0: (laughs) And he hasn't stopped. He's active in music these days.
1: Active in music and comedy, I believe he he was a kind of a, a presence in the comedy clubs as well, had some kind of a comedy act going. But a fine, fine interview. We had a great time seeing Ken interview Emmanuel that day. What a treat. Did
0: he talk anything about what it was like to work with Alex Karras and Susan Clark?
1: He refused to discuss Webster. Right out of the gate, he came out and said, there will be no questions about Webster. Wow. Oh, yeah. He's a hothead. That's no secret. (laughs) He only wanted to talk about his new music projects. Man, he's moved on. Well, I never will. (laughs) Some of us.
0: Some of us are living in the Webster years forever. And by some of us, I mean me. (laughs) Spending the time just holding the line, never getting caught up. Love was never brought up. It's not the thing to do.
1: Those are words to live by. Well, happy birthday, uh, Susan Clark, (laughs) (laughs) whose name I could not possibly have told you five minutes ago.
0: You're welcome. (laughs)
1: Outstanding Yeah, uh, as we said, we don't have a lot for the show today So I think this is going to be quick But what I did do is uh, I just finished Last night I finished reading a book Thank you Like a big accomplishment. Well, come on.
0: You got to tell us more about this book because like it's either you talking about your book or me talking about the puzzle that I'm working on over there, which is a picture of three boats. And that's really all I've got to say about it. Yes.
1: That sounds pretty exciting, too.
0: Well, you got to take it from here.
1: I, I go to read every night and I read like three and a half pages and I'm asleep. And so it takes me between 12 and 17 years to get through a book.
0: I'm kind of, I'm with you there. I have this rocking chair I like to sit in when I read and I get through a chapter or two and I fall asleep. But the thing is I fall forward and I wake myself up, and then I start reading again. And it's a vicious cycle that goes on until the book's over.
1: When your head slams into the floor, that wakes you up, and you can read a little more.
0: so many injuries every time I read a book.
1: While you're waiting for the paramedics to arrive. Well, that's yes. good. Well, I did finish a book last night, and I thought we could recommend it, because I think many of our listeners would quite enjoy a book like this. Uh, the book I finished, it's nonfiction. It's a memoir. It's an autobiography, if you will. It's called... Called Danger Will Robinson: The Full Moomy, and uh, this is the (laughs) memoir by uh, Bill Moomy. The Full Moomy, I love it. We know Billy Moomy, of course, from Lost in Space. That's Will Robinson, young Will Robinson, back on Lost in Space. We
0: also know Bill Mooney from a certain bet
1: you and I once
0: had.
1: Well, yeah, we, uh, you and I, uh, super music comedy <laughs> nerds like us, know Bill Mooney from Barnes and Barnes, fish heads and such. Uh, but probably best known to the the general public at large from Lost in Space and from Twilight Zone. From the, I
0: guess it, that's fair.
1: From the "It's a Good Life" episode. Just yikes! What a life this guy has had starting from when he was a little kid like he was a working actor when he was i don't know five years old or something and wow definitely one of the busiest child actors in the 60s certainly even pre lost in space and he said when he was a little kid and he wanted to like be one of the people inside the tv set you know acting and he wanted to be like superman and like zaro those were his heroes And then the crazy thing is he ended up working with Zorro because uh, Zorro was played by Guy Williams. And then Guy was his father on Lost in Space. That's pretty spectacular. But, I mean, he worked with everybody, Uh, just every legend in Hollywood he was doing movies with back then. Worked with Jimmy Stewart and uh, Judy Garland and (laughs) Lucille Ball. And he did movies with everybody. He did Disney movies. He did a couple of Disney movies I don't think I ever saw With animals. They're animal movies. He he made one with a seal called Sammy the Way Out Seal. Neat. Do you know that one? Have you heard of this?
0: I don't, but it sounds like the kind of thing I would enjoy.
1: A seal. Do you think Sammy the Seal and uh, Flipper the Dolphin hated each other? I'm pretty sure. Would they show up at all the same auditions in Hollywood?
0: (laughs) Sammy the Seal wrote the original Kiss from a Rose. That much I know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then he made a raccoon movie. He made a movie called Rascal, and it was him and a raccoon. Oh that's probably good. I'd watch that. but yeah, he was making Disney movies and like he knew Walt Disney um, he worked with Alfred Hitchcock who he does not have nice things to say about <laughs> and they worked with Rod Serling, of course and and people know the it's a good life episode of Twilight Zone, one of the absolute classics, just a chilling, scary, terrifying kid. but he made three Twilight zones. Actually, I think people forget that he he made three of them, but uh, "It's a Good Life" is certainly the the classic, the legendary one with Cloris Leachman as well. Cloris plays his mom in that one. Oh right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. He talks about Elizabeth Montgomery because he he did a couple of projects with Elizabeth Montgomery, and he, even though he was like ten years old, he said he he just fell madly in love with <laughs> with Elizabeth Montgomery.
0: Well, you can't help it; she's Elizabeth
1: Montgomery. We got to get him up here to uh, Massachusetts to Salem. He could visit the statue. That'd be cool. The bewitched statue. But he had some fantastic Bewitched trivia, though, because everybody knows, I think, her husband was, like, the actor was replaced. Right. Right. They switched. Midstream. Yeah. They switched (laughs) Darren's, right? They went from, it was Dick York, and then it was Dick Sargent playing Darren on Bewitched. But the trivia question is, who was the second actor to play Darren on Bewitched? And the answer that people are going to say is Dick Sargent. In this book, it says, nope. The actual answer is... Billy Moomy. Whoa. Because they did an episode where Darren is magically transformed into a 10-year-old kid. Oh. (laughs) And there's Billy to play Darren.
0: That is so cool.
1: That's some fantastic bewitched trivia. And then Bill Moomy was loving it because he was in love with Elizabeth Montgomery and he got to play her husband. (laughs) Even though he's like a 10-year-old kid.
0: Wow. How do you like... How do you go upward from there?
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's been all downhill.
0: You're right. Fish heads. That's how. (laughs) It's
1: been all downhill for Susan Clark and for Billy Mummy. (laughs) That's what we've learned here today. Oh, something else I was not aware of was the Munsters. When the Munsters started in like 1964, I think. And, you know, they've, they've got the little kid, the son, Eddie Munster, played by Butch Patrick. That role was offered To Bill Mooney. He could have been Eddie Munster. Wow. He turned it down, uh, he said, because he didn't like the idea of putting on all the monster makeup.
0: Yeah, it's uh, pretty stifling.
1: Yeah, which, I mean, Eddie Munster didn't end up having too much makeup, but probably in the development stage, maybe he wasn't sure how heavily made up he'd be, because I don't recall Eddie. He had the goofy you know, werewolf hair, but not a lot of makeup, I think. Anyway, that's why Billy turned down the role, uh, which which two funny things about that is that like the the very next year suddenly he's on Lost in Space. So it worked out, you know. If he was right. Eddie Munster, he would have missed out on the role of his career on Lost in Space. It's also funny that like 30 years later he's playing an alien on Babylon 5 and he has to sit and get alien makeup applied for 3 hours every day.
0: Oof. I couldn't do it. I would constantly be scratching my face.
1: They got the makeup on him eventually, anyway, even though he escaped being uh, Eddie Munster.
0: And he wears it to this day.
1: (laughs) And then, you know, landing the Lost in Space role, of course, and uh, we've talked about Lost in Space around here over the years, of course, no secret that I'm a huge Lost in Space fan. We've had Marta Kristen here on the Flopcast, of course, uh, who was his big sister, one of his big sisters on Lost in Space. But just what a time I was thinking about just to be a kid in Hollywood in that, that mid to late sixties where, you know, the monkeys TV show was in production and he knew all the monkeys. Even in the seventies, they were they ended up being friends of his. Batman was in production. You know, kids could run around the lot and sit in the Batmobile. You know, he has stories about just him and Angela Cartwright running around and oh, here's Batman in production. Uh, Green Hornet was in production and he would get martial arts lessons from Bruce Lee. Good
0: times. Just
1: everybody was was around. He was friends with David Cassidy uh, even before Partridge Family started. And then he was friends with Sean Cassidy and very good friends with Sean Cassidy and ended up being in Sean's band. Like in, in the height of Sean Cassidy mania of the 1970s, when Sean was out touring and playing in arenas everywhere, Billy Moomy was his guitarist. That is so cool. Yes, and he doesn't go into detail, but in the book, he he says like, was there the typical debauchery of uh, being on tour with a rock band? Yes, there was. Um, yes, <laughs> yes. He's been a very serious musician his whole life, even when he was a little kid. Like he'd bring a guitar to the studio with him every day. You know, even Lost in Space Year One, he always had a guitar with him. They ended up working that into the series, like even the very first episode of Lost in Space. He's playing a guitar. That's neat. Yeah. But there are photos throughout this book of just here's Bill Mooney with everybody. Just these crazy photos. There's a photo where it's like, here's Bill Mooney and half the Brady kids from Brady Bunch and also Keith Moon from The Who. (laughs) Like these ridiculous (laughs) combinations of celebrities.
0: That is (laughs) quite the (laughs) (laughs) mishmash.
1: We're lurking around back then. And he ended up getting some acting jobs just because he was a musician. And he he had a show. I have no memory of this. I never saw this. But there, there was a TV movie in the early 70s. Called Sunshine, and it was like a hippie girl had a baby and then she was sick and died. And then it was like the, the hippie boyfriend was the lead singer of a band, so now oh, it's wow. this like hippie rock band or folk band, and they're on tour but they've got this little baby girl with them. Aww. That was a TV movie called Sunshine. Wow, and Bill Mooney was part of the band because they wanted actors who could actually play music. And then it turned into a series. They made like 13 episodes of it. So it was completely off my radar. I've never seen the show or movie sunshine. And then uh, Rick Springfield at the height of Rick Springfield mania of the (laughs) early eighties. I remember this movie, Rick Springfield made a movie called hard to hold. Yeah, Like a real movie. And I didn't go to see it. Because it just looked like it. And it was like Rick Springfield essentially playing himself. It was like a rock star just running around being chased by girls everywhere. That's the movie. But uh, they put Bill Mooney in that movie as well because they wanted actual musicians playing his band. Wow. Somebody must have seen this movie at some point. But, oh, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure there are Rick Springfield fans that loved it. Oh, yes, there
0: are. I'm sure there are also people who went to go see it just for Bill Mooney. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. I'll believe it enough for the both of
1: us. Uh, he's a comic book guy as well, which I was aware of, comic book collector and reader his whole life and then got to write some comics as well, including Lost in Space. He wrote Lost in Space comic books in the nineties. I have them here.
0: Wow, this guy has just done like everything that he dreamed he'd want to do. He's just done.
1: He's one of those guys that was never the biggest star in the world, but just has done a ton of cool stuff over the years. Plus he's a geek. You know, he's into comics and and music and, and Pez dispensers. He has a major Pez dispenser collection. Also, <laughs> I
0: love that. That's uh, everything you've told me so far is cool, but that is the most favorite thing you've told me about Bill Mooney so
1: far. He said he knew like where all the vending machines were on all the uh, all the studios, and he would go around checking the candy machines looking for Pez dispensers.
0: That's a power move. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't have a lot of Pez dispensers, but uh, I've got a few You have some good ones. I've
0: got a few. I only have one Pez dispenser Just one. And it's a Flopcast Pez dispenser.
1: Oh, I completely forgot we made Flopcast Pez dispensers. (laughs) Wow. That was like 10 years ago we made those things. That was early days of the Flopcast.
0: Well, I was around for that part of the history of the Flopcast.
1: I still have mine. That's (laughs) right. Because we went to – there's a Pez museum in Connecticut – I totally forgot that those even exist. I must have one or two of those around here somewhere. But it's been years. I've been to two different Pez museums, one on each coast. There's more than one Pez dispenser museum.
0: That blows my total mind. There's
1: one in Connecticut, which is like official. It's like a Pez factory slash Pez museum. That's a big, beautiful place. There's also a little tiny Pez museum in California. I don't know if it's still there, but I visited there once long ago, back in like the late 90s. I'm sure Bill Mooney has been to the Pez Museum in California, if not Connecticut. He writes about so many of his music projects as well, because he's been in many, many different bands over the years, plus his solo stuff. And he's he's got to perform with Brian Wilson. He's performed with Ringo, uh, with John Sebastian, uh, plus all his other bands. One weird little project of his that uh, I was very interested in back in the day was I I remember when he formed a band in the late 80s called Seduction of the Innocent. This is a comic book band. It was a rock band made up of comic book creators.
0: That's interesting. Yes,
1: yeah, so it was Billy and uh, Miguel Ferrer, who's uh, also an actor who also wrote some comics with Billy. They were good friends, uh, as well as uh, Max Allen Collins and Steve Leoloa. But yeah, they, they formed a band called Seduction of the Innocent. They wrote a bunch of songs, like a kind of comic book-themed songs, and they used to play at San Diego Comic-Con once in a while. I actually saw Seduction of the Innocent perform live in San Diego once. I think it was 1999. That is really cool. And they put a record out. I have their album. They did a record called The Golden Age. It's all original comic book-themed songs <laughs> and a very weird little record. And there's a little bit of uh, accordion music on that album played by Weird Al.
0: Yeah, that's neat.
1: Because, uh, not surprisingly, they are also buddies. Uh, Bill Moomy and Weird Al are good friends. And some fantastic trivia, I was not aware of this. Bill Moomy set up Al with a uh, young lady named Suzanne who became Weird Al's wife. Oh. He set them up.
0: Bill Mooney really is a god.
1: <laughs> in fact, there's a quote on the back of the book. Back of the book has quotes from uh, well, from Angela Cartwright, who was his co-star on Lost in Space. Uh, there's a quote from Mark Hamill because they're buddies. There's a quote from Sean Cassidy and from Weird Al. A uh, uh, Weird Al's quote talks about all the stuff he learned from this book, and it says. Uh, like, did you know Bill Mumy is a close personal friend of mine and that he introduced me to my wife? I had no idea. <laughs> so see, Al learned a little something from this book as well. Well, good. <laughs> but uh, another band that uh, Bill formed just a few years ago, this is a relatively recent band, and I've been meaning to pick up uh, one of their records for a while now, and I still haven't. He has a band called The Action Skulls. It's Bill Mumy. It's John Cowsell. From the Cowsills.
0: I was wondering. You don't hear that name every day. <laughs>
1: and John Cowsill's wife, who happens to be Vicki Peterson from the Bangles.
0: What?
1: They're a band together, the Action Skulls. And they've, they've, they've put out like three albums, I think.
0: I did not know a bangle was married to a Cowsill. A
1: bangle is married to a Cowsill. That's the kind of shocking revelation <laughs> to be found in this book.
0: Oh, if my mind wasn't blown already.
1: (laughs) So, good stuff. It's a big, fun book, just bursting with uh, wacky tales of a, a life in Hollywood and in music and beyond. And, of course, uh, Barnes & Barnes looms large in the history of the Flopcast.
0: <laughs> <Yes>.
1: <laughs> uh Bill Moomy's, uh bizarre novelty band, who uh, had many hits on the Dr. Demento show over the years, and uh, best known to the world at large for fish heads, of course. I think many people probably have no idea that the kid from Lost in Space, Will Robinson, is also one of the guys that made fish heads we know of course but we're 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 super nerds. <laughs> and yeah, we ended up making that crazy bet about fish heads a few years yep. back. <laughs> That was something. The
0: winter I get iced coffee.
1: Bill Mooney was coming to uh, one of our local conventions. They were having a big Lost in Space reunion, which they've had several big Lost in Space reunions here in the, the Boston area over the years. I've been to all of them, <laughs> but uh, the most recent one was just a few years ago, and they had Bill and Angela and Marta and Mark Goddard. But as part of that convention, uh, Bill Mooney also did a solo acoustic concert. Which I was very excited about. I was planning to go. We were talking about it a couple of weeks before the convention. And we got in this big argument over whether or not Bill was going to perform fish heads.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was convinced he would. You
1: believe Bill would play fish heads. I was going the other way. And you thought I was nuts. I was thinking... Fishheads is such a bizarre, quirky novelty song, and this is gonna be Bill Mumy, serious musician Bill Moomey, a solo acoustic set. It's not a Barnes and Barnes concert. This is gonna be Bill with his acoustic guitar. How could he possibly play Fishheads? We made a bet, and if you were correct, if if he played Fish Heads, I was gonna to have to serve you iced coffee all winter long. Because uh, traditionally I would cut you off at some point in the winter and only serve hot coffee when we recorded the Flopcast. This is back when we used to get together live in person to uh, record the Flopcast, of course, many, many, many years ago. But I went to the convention, and I went to the concert, and I was in the front row at the concert. Bill Mooney was like three feet in front of me, (laughs) and right towards the end of the show, He strummed a chord on that acoustic, and I thought, oh no, (laughs) that sounded awfully familiar. (laughs) And yeah, you better believe he delivered a fantastic, beautiful solo acoustic rendition. Of fish heads, it was magnificent. I was the big loser of our bet, but I was also delighted.
0: <laughs> Not only did he play it, wasn't it virtually his finale? Oh yeah, the show? yeah.
1: This was the finale of the show. <laughs>
0: Oh, so you had the whole concert thinking you were going to win this bet.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I almost made it through the whole show as the winner, yes. And then suddenly, I'm the loser. I mean, the whole room is singing along. The cast of Lost in Space is there. You know, Marta Kristen was a couple of seats back from me. Everybody's there singing fish heads. It was crazy.
0: To this day, I tell people I won the fish heads bet. They <laughs> have no idea what I'm talking about.
1: Anyway... All sorts of fun like that to be found in this book. The book is called Danger Will Robinson, The Full Moomy. Definitely check this out. Very, very fun book. I got another uh, celebrity memoir on reserve, so I don't know if I'll get to that one next or maybe I'll grab something else to mix it up. But uh, someday soon, I'm going to pop open the Ralph Macchio book, Waxing On.
0: That sounds like it'll be something fantastic.
1: That's one that I'll have to uh, report back to you on as well. But for now, no more reading. (laughs) That's enough book talk for now. Let's get back to just being uh, dopey, semi literate podcasters and wrap up the show.
0: Yes. We want our listeners to know where to find us on the internet between shows. Head on over to Flopcast.net our very own website. We're also at facebook.com slash Flopcast. We're on Mastodon, universodon.com slash at Flopcast. We're on Instagram, the underscore Flopcast. And if you find us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and or a review, we will be super, super grateful to you. Music for the Flopcast is written and performed by the Sponge Awareness Foundation.
1: I don't think anybody from the Cowsills are part of the Sponge Awareness Foundation also, but I'll have to... Uh,
0: you should double check. I'll Those check. sneak in everywhere.
1: I'm going to take very careful attendance at the next Sponge Awareness Band meeting, and I'll report back to you. I'm going to do a council count. We'll see. Yes. Ask last name first. Good idea. But meanwhile, everybody, hope you enjoyed a, a little goofy book talk. We'll do something perhaps less goofy, perhaps much more goofy next week. Meanwhile, be safe, be kind, be silly. And we'll see you next week. Peace and cookies. What will you do when your child asks?
0: What were Saturday morning cartoons?
1: What were Saturday morning cartoons? What's wrong with you? Or will you handle it the right way? Sit down, baby girl. Let me introduce you to my friend, Mark McCrae. Join Dan Clink and I on the Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast as we take a unique behind-the-scenes look at the history and dynamics of animation with plenty of laughs along the way. The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast is a proud member of the ESO Network. Hello, Cornflake. Welcome to the Secret After Show. What are we doing?
0: I thought you might want to know something interesting about this particular week. It was it's just something I noticed as I was putting together whatever day notes. If he was still alive, Kevin... Ed McMahon would be turning 100 this week. (laughs) Right. Now, we've done plenty of Ed McMahon talk on the show. It's just kind of crazy to believe.
1: I feel like we're just getting started with our Ed McMahon talk. (laughs) So Ed would be 100 this week.
0: Yeah. March 6th would be his birthday.
1: Okay. Wow. A guy with Massachusetts roots, right? Worked in radio in Lowell, Massachusetts, I believe.
0: And a guy that always looked like a senior citizen to me. I don't remember him ever looking young, but that's probably because he was born in the 1920s.
1: Yeah, he had some years on him by the time he would have been on our radar, certainly.
0: But for me, he'll always be Star Search Man.
1: Oh, what about bloopers and practical jokes, though? Oh, there was that. Imagine a 100-year-old Ed McMahon (laughs) doing bloopers and practical jokes.
0: I mean, the internet pretty much takes care of that nowadays, but if he could revive Star Search, (laughs) I'd watch that.
1: Imagine a hundred-year-old Ed McMahon hosting the superhero roast on Legends of the Superheroes.
0: Imagine a hundred-year-old Ed McMahon showing up with an oversized check at your door because you won the publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes.
1: I'm liking the idea of this hundred-year-old Ed Ed McMahon more and more the more (laughs) I think about it. You know, let's do it. Let's go get him and wake him up.
0: It's time. Rise and shine, Ed McMahon. <laughs> this has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public store, which can all be found at ESOnetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.